Hello everyone, it's Laura Lebo here inviting you to check out my podcast, A Few of My Favorite Jews. Every two weeks, I invite an artist from the city of Toronto to come on and tell me who their favorite Jew is. We talk about that Jew's life, their connection to Judaism, my guest connection to Judaism, and we just laugh. <laughs> so if you love Jews and you love listening to exactly two people talk about them for about an hour, you're going to love my podcast, A Few of My Favorite Jews. Everybody, uh, we're the Menschwarmers. Welcome back to our bi-weekly uh, podcast about Jews and sports. Gabe, how you doing, buddy? I'm great. Shalom Aleichem, everybody. Uh, yeah, happy Jamie, Victoria Day, I guess. I guess it's Victoria Day. Do we miss Shavuos? I think we miss Shavuos. We miss uh, Shavuos. I don't know that there's a Jewish element to Victoria Day at all. I'm sure she said something terrible about Jews or did something marginally good for Jews, like uh, by the standards of the late 19th century, but I don't really care about her. For those listening who are not in Canada, uh, we are recording this on Victoria Day. Uh, yeah. Traditionally, the first American holiday of the summer. Is it they have Memorial Day? Memorial day? That, I think it's Memor- next week. But I think no? they're doing Memorial week? Day next week. Yeah, I think they're yeah. doing it next week. Um, but it's to honor Queen Victoria. I think the two cities we have named after in this country are not enough. Uh, and they've also given her a day. Victoria and Regina. Is Regina after Queen Victoria? I think it's Victoria. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Okay. I well, mean, she the- would have been queen when it was founded. Yeah. All right. Um, well, let's check in at we on some Jewish sports <laughs> stories. Uh, I should say off the top, we have a really exciting interview coming up with uh, Cody Decker, uh, retired minor league baseball, brief major league baseball player, uh, or briefly a major league baseball player as well, and who's had a long career involved with Team Israel baseball. Um, he joined us for a really great chat about our about his career and all the things that he's been doing since he since he retired. Um, it was great. He's a, a really interesting guy and sort of, I would say we told him this, but he's probably the most requested guest we've had so far. Um, and, and he's here, you know, former, he, he was the mensch on the bench during the 2017 Israeli baseball world classic run of which we all know so well, a large part of the film uh, coming home, uh, which we've talked about uh, sort of ad nauseum and will continue to do so until uh, they make a movie about us. Yeah, so I think this is like part two of, uh, you know, it's like a Twitter thread when they just go one slash N. Part two of an, an unknown number so far in our uh, 2021 Israel baseball uh, leading up to the Olympics series. And hopefully we'll continue to get some some great guests uh, who've been associated with Team Israel baseball in some way. Um, Absolutely. We'll get to Cody's uh, plugs in a bit. But uh, what's what's new in the uh, sports world this week, Jamie? Well, I, I, I like to, I'd like to note that I contributed a little bit to the Jewish sports discourse in writing uh, for the first time for the Canadian Jewish News' website. Um, I wrote an article about Tomer Hamed, uh, an Israeli soccer player who plays for the Wellington Phoenix of the Australian A-League. Um, Tomer scored two goals last week and after the first one, grabbed an Israeli flag from a few supporters. And after the second one, took out a kippah and did the shema. Um, and covered his to, eyes too. The full covered his eyes, cover. yeah. Um, which was, I, I, I think, you know, as people noted, uh, you know, a really badass way to celebrate a soccer goal. Is, is that the Jewish way of like the Michael Jordan closing his eyes during a free throw? Or uh, <laughs> I think it's uh, Marcus Rashford who covers his eyes after he scores a goal, just to say like I could do this blindfolded. Yeah, I, I think that's the next. Uh, it's it's a close thing, you know. The God God is with me. Uh, 
and I can tell even with my eyes closed. Um, anyways, that led to some some uproar uh, in the Australian New Zealand press about whether he should be sanctioned for this. He ended up he wasn't penalized any further, aside from getting a yellow card for uh, putting on a face covering or head covering. That's apparently illegal. But huh. uh, he, he had no further sanction. After that. How else were they going to get the powdered wigs out of soccer? Yeah. But the A-League has now banned supporters from bringing any flag to the game aside from the Australian and New Zealand flag, um, which seems like, you know, obviously a targeted policy against the lone Israeli player uh, to ever play in the league. Who happened I mean, to do it. Yeah. You know, his team is, is aside from him and uh, one Mexican player and maybe one or two English players, exclusively Australians and, and Kiwis. So mm. it's not as though this is really happening for that many other people. Um, and again, you know, I, I think the point I make in the article, and I encourage people to check it out, there will be a link up uh, on, our, on our Twitter, certainly, if not on the show page. Um, the, the, the point is basically Jewish athletes are getting singled out here. Israeli athletes are getting singled out here. Um, if you're an Israeli athlete, you're going to have to live with this double standard. Uh, and, you know, it seems that it feels like part of it is because he's Jewish. And part mm -hmm. of his celebration was a, you know, instantly a recognizable... Player. Yeah, exactly. A Jewish prayer, it's instantly recognizable to all Jews. So um, I'll leave it there. I, I, I ask people, you know, go check it out, uh, share it if you, if you found it interesting. Um, and hopefully, Gabe, for you and both of us, you and I, there will be uh, maybe a little bit more writing in the future on the, on the CJN. Absolutely. Uh, we say that staring directly into the cold eyes of our producer, Michael, who is all business when recording yeah. this show. One he's making a sign. It says, it says, it says he's, he's, he's mouthing, we have no money for that. We have no money for that. <laughs> We've uh, an interesting Tomer Hamed fact, uh, which I don't think you got to in your story, but Tomer Hamed has a reputation for being a, a bit of a tough player. Um, he actually once got suspended when he was playing in the English Premier League for stomping on DeAndre Yedlin, another Jewish soccer player. Yeah, so, a, little, a little instance of, of Jew on Jew sports, uh, sports violence. You know, the, the only two Jewish guys in the Premier League could probably find a way to you know, find peace and uh, work together against everyone else instead of stomping on one another. But I guess that's that's really a microcosm for Jewish people arguing with each other all the time. Right. It's like the the Jew the sports equivalent of you know two Jews three opinions. It's like <laughs> it's two, two, Jews, two, two three stomping red cards. <laughs> two Jews three red cards. Yeah. Um. So Gabe, let's let's move on a little bit. Um. Some other stuff that's been in the news. Uh, I thought we'd do a little rundown on. Jewish interest in, in basketball and hockey as those go into the playoffs. Uh, any, any notable Jews in the NHL playoffs that we should, Exciting we should be thinking playoffs. about. Um, at least here in Toronto, Zach Hyman has made his return to the line sure. yet to make a, a score sheet impact as I guess now it's game three right now. But uh, uh, Jason Zucker of the Pittsburgh Penguins is also playing in their uh, game and he has okay. scored a goal already in this season or in this uh, postseason. So we've got Hyman, we've got Zucker. Um, and both I of those are, are, is Pittsburgh the favorite to come out of the, uh, whatever that's called the Metro division, the Metro division, or I guess now it's called some sort of corporate sponsor because they've, <laughs> they've realigned for this year, but I believe right. they are, um, if they can get by, uh, uh, the Islanders, it's a really spectacular season. And I feel like the Islanders are a team with pretty serious Jewish energy, even if sure. they don't have any Jewish players right now, you know, they've, they've you know, we're in uh, uh, Long Island for a while. They moved into the city for a couple of years. And you know what? Yeah, nah, nah, let's go back to Long Island. That They, uh, they are. You're right. They had the, the typical New Island, New, <laughs> New York, uh, Long Island life, moving into the city for, for a few years in university and then deciding to go back out to the suburbs, back out. To yeah. Nassau. You know what? Massapequa was comfortable. Let's just go back. 
Uh, on the on the round ball side of things in basketball, of course, the only Jewish player in the NBA, Denny Avdia, uh, is injured out for the year uh, with torn torn ligament. But his Washington Wizards are, you know, currently in the playoffs. They made it through the the play in tournament, and they're playing the Amazing. 76ers, who are probably going to sweep them. But you know, if you want to get get a glimpse of Denny on the bench, you might be able to do that if you want. You they certainly, they certainly, the Wizards continue to have a big um, Hebrew Twitter presence, which is sort of amazing. Like, is, is does their social media guy, is, is he a Jew who speaks Hebrew or do they have a specific Israeli social media guy on, on staff doing their Israeli uh, social media? Very, I wonder if they have, question. maybe they could have a service of an yeah, Israeli or two right. that will, will translate it all for them. We need to um, look into this. We need to, we need to get some answers on this. Do we some, do. do some more um, reporting. One sort of end of, of story, uh, end of speaking of Long Island and, and sort of Jewish players at the end of the season now, the NHL's leading defensive scorer. So all of the leading, all of the, you know, of everyone who played in the NHL, mm-hmm. the, the defenseman with the most points, um, who was off at the world championship now because, you know, his team, the New York Rangers, did not make the playoffs, um, is Adam Fox, a Jewish kid from Long Island, oh, wow. matter of fact. What um, team does he play for? He plays for the New York Rangers. Okay. And they didn't um, have a very from good year. Jericho, New York. So, wow. you know, he broke down the walls of Jericho to the walls of Madison Square Garden. Um, and unfortunately, putting, up a brick in wall and putting up a brick wall at the blue line. Exactly. And has now sort of made himself a name, had his big breakout year. So we'll be watching Adam Fox for years to come. And in, uh, I guess, not necessarily sadder news, but, but marking the end of an era, uh, Marv Albert has uh, the great Jewish sportscaster has decided to call it a career after this no year in the NBA playoffs. Rejected. <laughs> that does, that does remind me, we were talking about this before, um, you know, along with his great career in announcing Marv Albert is my therapist is an article by uh, the actor, Jesse Eisenberg that he wrote in the New Yorker. Have you ever heard the audio ago. version of it? You can listen I, to the I, audio version of it. Yeah, it's it's great. Uh, he, he basically, Marv Albert is his therapist. That's the, that's the entire joke and it works. It works really well. It sort of goes with a with a oh, but doctor, she wouldn't sleep with me. Rejected type thing over and over and over again. Yeah, you know, uh, I, I feel like to, I'm unhappy. Yes. Moving on to a, 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 another bit of news: um, Jewish Canadian tennis player Denis Shapovalov, currently the number fourteen in the world, um, has had a sort of up and down few weeks. He lost in the uh, in the round of uh, I can't remember if it was, it was the round of sixteen or. Or maybe to Rafael Nadal in Madrid. Yeah, exactly. To, to Rafael Nadal in Madrid. He had a, you know, just brutal three set loss. He was up in the first set. Uh, sorry, won the first set, um, lost in the second after leading three, nothing, and then ended up losing in tiebreaker to Chapov- uh, to uh, Rafael Nadal, who's of course, you know, the greatest of all time. On, on clay, clay. Absolutely. Yeah. And then uh, continued playing in the Geneva open, um, made it all the way to all the way to the finals where he lost to Casper Rudd and, after that decided or announced that he had a shoulder injury, which is going to um, prevent him from playing in the French open at Roland Garros. So Asper Rudd is a hell of a name. Yeah. Is that Norwegian. two U's? Two U's. Yeah. Real Norwegian. Yeah. But Shapovalov, <laughs> you know, again, after going from almost beating Nadal, which would have been the second time in his career that he's beaten Nadal um, to not being able to play in the French open, the next, uh, the next major on the schedule, real bummer. Um, hopefully he's back for Wimbledon. I guess we'll see. I, I don't know if they've announced how, how difficult, 
his recovery is going to be or how bad the shoulder injury. But sad to see for our, our I would say, our you know biggest local uh, rooting interest in terms of, of tennis. Obviously, uh, Diego Schwartzman, uh, the other main Jewish player on the, on the circuit, is still around. And uh, Aslan Karatsev, I think, will be making his French Open debut this year. Oh, that's very exciting. While, you know, speaking of, I guess, France or the Mediterranean, this weekend was also the Monaco Grand Prix um, in the world of F1 and uh, very exciting news for uh, that's one of the, young, the bigger ones, isn't it? That's one of the it's sort of the one of the oldest races. I think it's been run almost 75 times. If you've ever seen the film Grand Prix with James Gardner, uh, it's sort of focused around that race um, from year to year and RIP Jessica Walter. Um, but the uh, Israeli Jewish driver who's currently a backup driver for Williams um, and racing in F2 had his first career podium in Formula 2 and sort of the warm-up race the day before. Roy oh, good for him. Nisani. Uh, so Nisani. we're cheering for Roy, hoping he makes, uh, makes it to F1 someday soon, um, especially he's racing under the Israeli flag, which is sort of rare to see. Um, he's from Hungary, but I think he, he supports you know, treat himself as an Israeli Jewish man mm-hmm. um, and uh, was racing there. Also, uh, Jewish uh, and Canadian racing driver Lance Stroll has been made a meme this week from the oh. race as uh, during uh, an exciting moment in the race, a cameraman mistakenly switched to a photo of him that sat on the screen uh, instead of <laughs> the exciting part of the race. So now Lance Stroll's name has been synonymous with uh, being distracted from the real action. <laughs> That's very funny. Guess going for going for a, a, a mental Lance Stroll in the park. <laughs> exactly, it and it's it's become a real meme over the last few days. You know, classic highlights that are being interrupted: the smiling face of young Lance Stroll. Now that we've caught up on the world of Jewish sports, let's go to a man sort of at the center of it. Uh, we've got an interview coming up with Cody Decker, uh, as we said earlier, a very requested guest, former first baseman and sort of unofficial team captain of Team Israel at the 2017 World Baseball Classic. Cody is a, a longtime man in professional baseball, uh, worked with Team Israel in a lot of capacities, uh, not working with them this year, as you find out in the interview necessarily. Um but he is currently uh, living in El Paso where he had some of the best years of his uh, minor league career and uh, uh, enjoying life as uh, running a baseball factory. Uh, so let's get uh, on to our interview with Cody. Yeah. And I, sh- I should mention ahead of time, my audio uh, was not the best on this interview. I apologize to uh, our listeners here, but hopefully you'll bear with us and uh, stay tuned for a great interview. We've had you, you've been a, an often requested guest, so we appreciate you doing this. Last no, week, we actually me. had, a, a, who I assume is a friend of yours, Nate Fish, on the show. Hate um, him. Can't stand him. Oh, yeah. Um, Not I true. I like, him, I, I like Nate quite a bit. He's a good guy. Yeah. I asked him if the king of Jewish baseball title was like a divine thing, like who had to die to make him the king of Jewish baseball? Um, yeah, I, you know, it's one of those. It's not it's not unlike Rocky Balboa. The Italian stallion was not a term that was bestowed upon him. He just gave it to himself. Right. It's true. Exactly. Those are the best nicknames, I think. Not to mention, I mean, the king of Jewish baseball, as much as as much as there is a very short list behind him of people probably clamoring for that title, I don't really think anyone goes out of their way to let everyone know that they're Jewish all the time. Well, that's a great place to start the conversation. Um, yeah. It's almost like you've done this before. Oh, I, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, we're here with Cody Decker, uh, you know, former player on Team Israel, uh, involved in the, the program this year and continues to as the team heads to the Olympics. I am. Um, well, I've seen, sorry, I should say, uh, you hosted a game of Team Israel playing in El Paso the other day, or you tweeted about it. So close, get, so close, so close, so close. Okay. 
I mean, there, there, um, there are aspects of this that you're yeah. nailing, but there's like a lot of things in between that are just a little we, we should leave it to you then, Cody. Why don't you give us a little bit of an introduction and tell us a little bit about what's going on right now with your, with your life? Uh, well, I retired in 2019. My name is Cody yes. Decker. Hi, everybody. Uh, Cody Decker. I uh, retired to take on a, uh, a radio show with Odyssey. I've been with Odyssey for the last couple of years. I'm currently getting ready to rejoin Odyssey coming up pretty soon. And um, also on top of that, I am the, the associate executive director of a baseball and softball nonprofit in El Paso, Texas, called the El Paso Border Youth Athletic Association. The entire organization's goal is to get as many kids into college uh, through baseball and softball. And El Paso, Texas has got a very low graduation rate when it comes to actual uh, graduation uh, as far as college education goes. And we're trying to fix that. And one way we're trying to do that is by changing the programming, the, the training, the um, academic process that is taking place here in El Paso, Texas. So our organization really is one-stop shopping. We also have uh, the Bible Elite Athletics that is also running out of our facility, the base we have, uh, which is the top of the line uh, strength and conditioning, throwing program, recovery program in the country. Uh, Joe Bimel, you know, 15-year big leaguer heads that out along with Brent Dean, who was my college roommate. Um, I basically are training a lot of ball players right right now a lot of young ball players but el paso texas is a city that i kind of fell in love with a few years back i played here in triple a baseball back in 2014 and 15 and after that was after two seasons of playing in tucson and tucson as much as i love that city we were playing in front of 400 people every night so coming over to el paso texas playing in front of sold out 15,000 you know people wow. going crazy baseball crazy i might add i i went from playing that i could literally hear the lights hear the lights in tucson uh buzzing and coming out here to having my name chanted every single at bat, it was, I, I became very uh, popular here and I just fell in love with this place. The food, the people, the lack of traffic. I grew up in Los Angeles. Um, it's just really, um, it really is a special place. But when I started looking at baseball programming and how many guys are getting into college in this city, and it's a big city. The numbers were just not there. It made no sense. It's not that kids are more or less talented because they're grew up in El Paso, Texas, rather than Los Angeles. It's just what's in front of them, what's available to them. And what's available to them here is very little. So our organization provides just about everything. The, the one-on-one -on -one training, the um, academic counseling, we try to make it as affordable and easy for everybody to get there. And also, it's also handling the parents. You know, a lot of kids these days, I don't need to tell you guys that, you know, every parent looks at their kids with rose-colored lenses. Um, all their kids sure. are stars and they're all going to the big leagues. No, they're not. Um, uh, no, so I, much... have a, I have a six week old and I'm not there yet. Oh, you'll, you'll get there, but you're not yeah. there yet. But so much so that you got to understand major league baseball has been, is an organization that's been around for nearly two centuries. And we are almost, we are maybe a week away from getting the 20, 20,000th major leaguer in the history of major league baseball. That doesn't even fill up the bottom section of Dodger stadium. Mm -hmm. That's just to put things mm -hmm. in perspective. Wow. On how many players have had one at bat in the big leagues? That's amazing. Well, it's a very interesting uh, mission. I mean, I think we see in the in in the states or, or Canada a lot the players who are coming up who are the big prospects in high school or scouted for colleges are are increasingly coming out of the sort of you know more expensive prep school model. Uh, guys who can afford or kids who can afford to uh, you know have that high level training from a young age that's sort of necessary. Or or the other model you'd say in in places like the Dominican Republic where kids are scouted from a very young age and sort of put into a baseball academy where uh, there isn't necessarily a focus on anything aside from baseball. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And what you asked me before, what I did with Israel this last week, I still, I'm not with Israel, obviously, anymore. I'm not playing on the Olympic team. I didn't get uh, dual citizenship. They asked me to. I just wasn't able to do it. I started the okay. show and I basically said, I, I just physically can't go to Israel for a month and sure. get, uh, get, get it done. 
Um, but I, it, as things progressed, it looked like when they were going to qualify, um, the organization that I worked for, you know, Odyssey, they were, they were very interested in me playing and possibly getting some content out of it. So I did offer to do it then, but then COVID hit and, you know, it's all been an absolute mess. So I was never able to get dual citizenship to join them, but I still maintain a really great relationship with Israeli baseball. I mean, they are, they are very near and dear to my heart. In fact, if you look right here, I got a poster of heading home, the Teal team of Tale of Team Israel right there in my studio. That's great. John, um, Jonathan Mayo, I think, was, uh, think was our either second, guest, our second ever. guest ever on our podcast. Jonathan Mayo is a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful guy. Great, great guest for you guys. Um, oh, I agree. He was terrific. Yeah, I couldn't say enough good things about Jonathan Mayo. But yeah, it was it. it I have a great relationship with them. So basically, they told me they were going to have a, a spring training over in Scottsdale the moment the minor leaguers get out of there. And I just said, hey, you know, Scottsdale is only about five hours from me right now. I have all these players who have never been looked at a day in their lives. So I just called... Um, you know, talk to Doug Liebman and Adam Gladstone and, you know, Adam Gladstone is like the, the mover and shaker with everything. You need, you, there's something needs to be handled with team Israel. You go to Adam Gladstone and went to Adam and, you know, we started talking and, uh, putting together this whole concept of putting together a two day exhibition over there in Scottsdale, giving them some good competition, giving them some good arms to face. Um, you know, they got players like Ian Kinsler on that team. They got guys like, uh, Danny Valencia, Ty Kelly, Blake Galen, uh, three of those names I just mentioned were big leaguers, but Blake Galen, not, and he should have been Blake Galen is one hell of a ball player, really, really terrific ball player. Mm -hmm. So this was an opportunity for a lot of our guys who were young, missed out on a full year of COVID and missed out on their first year of college playing at El Paso community college. But this whole time they've been training and now they're, they came in throwing 82. They're all throwing 92. They're uh -huh. all have incredible secondary pitches that we've uh, changed them as athletes. So we took them out there to play uh, the Olympic team, two exhibition games. And I want to see if they can compete against some big leaguers and they could. It That's was, great. It was a true, true, wonderful thing to see. I was so proud of every guy I had out there. The Israeli team looks great. Um, guys that really came to mind when I was watching them throw. Zach Weiss looked incredible. Josh Zide looked great. Um, really excited for everything Blake Galen's going to do in that tournament. Uh, Danny Valencia homered. You know, and they got Jake Lekind, who's an amazing left-handed pitcher. He's going to be starting the year out in, uh, for the Lancaster Barnstormers, which is an independent team. Uh, you know, these are a lot of talented ball players, and I, I think they're going to – I think I'm hoping they do some serious damage over there in Japan when they eventually get a chance to play in the Olympics. So, so you're probably in the best position to, to make this assessment. I mean, you were there in, in 2017 in, uh, in Korea and Japan with yes. the World Baseball Classic team, the sort of, the sort of you know, the miracle team Israel that, that made it further. Miracle to who? Uh, I, would say, I would say miracle to fans around the world who, who I don't think, you know, as someone, you know, I was getting up at three in the morning to watch the games or, or whatever time I had to get up to, to watch the games. I didn't necessarily think that you guys were going to beat the Netherlands, you know? We did. I, 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 I didn't know that you guys were going to make it as far as you did. And, and I was someone who had, who had faith. But uh, uh, so the fun thing about that whole tournament, is, you know, we went in there as 200 to one underdogs. <laughs> right. ESPN wrote an article calling us has-beens and wannabes to which I'm like, are you kidding me? This is a group one through nine who has a collective and I'm not kidding collective one through nine better careers than everyone else in this tournament. Yeah. You mm -hmm. got the superstars in LA. You got the, I mean, the superstars in the U S team, you got the great players in the Japan team. Yeah. You got all those studs over in the Netherlands. We were a bunch of guys that had done nothing but play our asses off our whole careers, 
put up staggeringly good numbers and constantly be told that we weren't good enough to be stay in the big leagues. You had Ryan LaVarnway, who had plenty of big league experience. Nate Fryman sure. had some big league experience. I only had one month, but at that point, I had 200 career home runs. Sure. Um, you know, it's just we were a bunch of guys that have gotten to the big leagues, but never were allowed to stay there. And we weren't exactly guys that got a ton of opportunity either. I got one start in the big leagues, just one. Not that's not exactly a much of a sample size for me to say that I can put together a great big league career. I know I can. I just need the opportunity to do so. Sadly, that opportunity never came again. But we were a team that we were we were laughing hysterically at everything that was posted about us because we're like, these guys really have no idea that we're going to beat the hell out of all of them. And it's great because we know great. they just don't. <laughs> That is a great level of confidence to have. I mean, looking or reflecting back on the 2017 team and, and seeing how it's shaping up uh, out in Scottsdale now, how would you uh, how would you assess the current team's odds or I mean, chances I'm gonna, going, we're going to the Olympics? If we're talking about the Olympic team to the WBC team, we're kind of talking apples and oranges. It's not that the Olympic team is incredibly talented. They are. But, you know, the WBC team is all active players that are currently right. playing professional baseball at the highest levels where this team is a lot of uh, young Israeli players, some independent ball players and uh, some minor league players and a bunch of guys who played in the big leagues, but are now retired. That does not. And that in no way, shape or form, I really want to stress this. That is not me saying they aren't good. Absolutely. They're good. They're going to go over there and do great. But the WBC to the Olympic side, you, you are getting a it's I wouldn't say a, it's not a step down. That's not that's not the right phrase, but it's certainly not the exactly the same caliber that you'll get out of the WBC. Right. It's a different pool of players that are that are sort of making up the, the roster. You know, I, everyone's very hopeful that the Olympics are, are, are even going to happen. I mean, it seems like a question mark, but but maybe one that's uh, it's going to happen one way or another. Who knows? I'll keep my faith that and keep it in the universe that it'll happen. That's my yeah. goal. I think we have to the secret it um yeah. into into continuing um and maybe i missed you saying this while i was tending to baby but do you do you uh, are you bullish on uh, on the team this summer say it one more time oh i say are you bullish do you expect them to to meddle i don't know i mean you gotta understand there's some teams over there that are quite good the team that mm-hmm. really uh, immediately stands out to me is mexico they're a really good ball club they're gonna win a lot of games obviously japan you know what they're bringing to the table yeah Korea got kind of embarrassed in the last WBC. So if they're going to be in this tournament, and I don't know if they are, I got to check the actual pool. But if Korea's in this tournament, you better be, you better believe they're looking to hammer out somebody because uh, there's some talent out there. And let's keep in mind, the U.S. still hasn't qualified. Yep, and it's it's tight. I mean, it's only six teams, so you know, sort of anything can happen, and, mm-hmm. and there's not that many games. So I think they have. I think Israel has as much of a chance as really anybody, and that does not. That's not me trying to play both sides. I really don't know. Um, Olympic baseball is a very short sample size. Playing a tournament like that is a very small sample size. It's not like, a, you know, putting the odds on a major league team. It's a lot easier to do that. Um, right. You just have to hope that they come out hot. And that's what it is. It's, it's a short series. And any, you watched any major league series. You watch the Yankees take on the, the Baltimore Orioles. Yeah, the smart money is on the Yankees. But over time, they're going to have more wins. But in that short three-game series, the Baltimore Orioles could sweep them. Especially if, if Dean Kramer's pitching. Especially if Dean, or really only if Dean. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say, let's go back to talk about you a little bit. Um, you know, I missed I missed the mark on your current involvement with Team Israel, but you mentioned you had a, sort of a breath in the big leagues. You've played in Tucson. You've played in El Paso. I can't imagine what it's like playing in Tucson in July. Uh, you know, when you can hear the lights, that must be another world of hot. Uh, uh, you know, be honest with you, it's not even the hottest city I played in. You know, El Paso and Tucson are very similar, but, you know, it's nothing compared to, say, Phoenix. Phoenix is just 
Phoenix is his own breed. And you know, we were in Phoenix last week playing against Team Israel, and I was just telling guys, guys, it's the same temperature here as El Paso, but it is not the same temperature. El Paso heat is, yeah, the sun's beating down you a little bit, but in, in Phoenix, it's every direction. It's coming at you left, right, center, from the ground, from the sky. It is, it is, it's, Phoenix is located a quarter mile from the sun. I can't stand <laughs> it. Cannot stand it. It's and a dry it, heat, they say. And it always fools me. It always fools me. Yeah, you say that, but so so did so did Bill Paxton's character in Aliens when he was just trying to be a dick. He just said, "Yeah, guys, but it's a dry heat." <laughs> Don't be that guy. I, I've actually I also find El Paso, and I've only been there once, and I loved it. But it actually had vegetation. Mm-hmm. Where Phoenix, it seems to be some sort of imported by some air conditioning company to mm-hmm. prove that it's livable. And it's also that thing, that, and this is just me. I'm just, I don't know why. I just look, whenever I see every building and house look identical, I just, I can't do it. It's just something about it. Just seems <laughs> like I have to leave. This is yeah. manufactured living. I have to go. So, so let's go back to your baseball career a bit. Uh, when did you get drafted? Who drafted you? And what was your story? I was a senior sign out of UCLA. I was, uh, let's see, I hit, I, I had a very good career at UCLA. My first year, I think I only had about 60 at bats, but I hit five home runs, hit about 300. Sophomore year, I, I think I led the Pac-12 in home runs, I hit about 314, something like that. My junior year was not the, not the same. I, I had put a lot of self-inflicted pressure. Our whole team did, in fact. We were preseason ranked number one. You know, when you're being, you're a 21-year-old kid being told you're going to be drafted in the top two rounds, you're going to be, get paid all this money. And then all of a sudden you hit one week where all of a sudden you go over in a game and then it leads to four games. Next thing you know, you're like trying to sprint in quicksand. And, you know, I look back at that junior year as being the best thing that ever happened to me. I think I learned more about myself, more about baseball. In fact, in general, um, I had to make adjustments with my play. I had to make adjustments with my swing. And I believe my senior year, I led the nation in home runs, or at least I was close. I hit like 22 that year, 21, something like that. Ended up getting drafted um, in the 22nd round by the San Diego Padres, uh, which is great because, you know, I born and raised in Southern California. I, I you know, I, I remember as a little kid, the first summer, the first baseball camp I ever went to was, I think I was six years old. I went to Steve Garvey's baseball camp. And, you know, Steve Garvey's number is retired six, but I always wore six because of Steve Garvey, uh, even though my mentor growing up was Reggie Smith. He was my hitting coach. But for whatever reason, just because cool. my first pro experience was with Steve Garvey, there was something in the back of my head that always had Steve Garvey that I always wanted to wear six. Um, Might have been his hair. Just, maybe. <laughs> I might have been the arm hair. It was just so luscious. <laughs> he's um, a very, like, like, classic Hollywood guy. Oh, yeah. He's straight Clark Gable, side part, like very, very much a throwback still probably dyes his hair jet black. Cause you know, we just can't move on. Um, but it's just, I, I always dug that. So, but it was funny. I go to the Padre organization. I can't wear the number six because of Steve Garvey, which was the reason I wore the number six because the Padres for reasons I'll never understand retired the number six, even though the majority of his career was a Dodger. Um, that's a, that, that's an interesting point. I never thought about that. If, if a number is retired at the big league level by a team, is it retired all the way through the system? Depends on the organization. It was okay. very strange. So early on, they let me wear six. I wore six uh, all throughout the minor leagues. And then one year we get to El Paso. I'm like, hey, where's number six? I'm like, uh, new policy. Can't give it out anymore. Wow. It's retired throughout the organization. I'm like, oh, come on. I've been, I've been in this organization for seven years. Steve Garvey was only here for two. That's some real inside baseball stuff. Do you think for a second they were retiring your number? <laughs> uh, it crossed my mind. I did own all their minor league career uh, career records. So, you know, I still have them. If anyone wants to break them, please do. <laughs> I don't Cody, I, I, we, we know you're, you're a big trivia guy. I think um, the, the one piece of trivia about you that we, we figured out is, as far as we can tell, and having done the research that we did in it, you are the uh, minor league Jewish home run, home run leader, career, career home run leader, as far as I we mean, can tell. 
let's be real clear. It's not exactly, uh, that's not the highest bar you could find. I mean, well, it's, it's not the highest bar, but you know, there have been plenty of Jewish big leaguers and, and have, so, but you know, it kind of gets desensitized when you look at it. Cause Ryan Braun has been a big leaguer forever and he has more major league home runs than I do have minor league home runs. So that kind of immediately knocks the good taste of that out of my mouth. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, Cody, turning, turning to uh, something a little, I guess, less pleasant to talk about, but something that you've been outspoken about is the issue of anti-Semitism in sports and mm-hmm. baseball in particular. Um, I, I know you spoke out about this last year when uh, Oakland A's coach um, Ryan Christensen um, gave a sort of, uh, he didn't call it a Nazi uh, salute, it, but it certainly no seemed like of. a Nazi salute. There's yeah. no sort of, it is or it isn't, yeah. it was. So can you t- talk, to, talk to us a little bit about sort of your own experiences or, or anything that you've noticed in terms of changes or uh, things getting better, things getting worse in uh, baseball? I, I haven't seen anything getting better or worse. Uh, you know, it's not exactly something that I think Major League Baseball even has a thought of. You know, I, well, the things I went through are probably the similar things that a lot of people went through. See, I grew up in Santa Monica, California, majority, you know, very heavy Jewish community. Sure. So I didn't understand when I left Los Angeles at some point that, oh, not everywhere else is like this. I'm I'm somehow I'm the odd man out. But my last name is Decker. Not a whole lot of people knew I was even Jewish. So it wasn't really a, something I had to deal with all that much. Um, but, you know, then then when people started finding out, then it became, you know, a lot more comments about it, a lot more jokes about it. Um, I remember one year, particularly in San Antonio, the, the chaplain had, like wouldn't leave me alone. He was trying to convert me every Sunday. And it honestly made me to the point where I yelled at him, like, get out of my locker room. Do not look at me one more time. I'm, I'm going to punch out a chaplain. How, how um... fantasy of all of us everywhere. <laughs> how, uh, Sorry, I guess integrated is, would you say, Christianity in, in mainstream baseball culture? Beyond, like, is, beyond integrated. Um, there's prayers during... during uh, there during... is family and faith night uh, at every minor league stadium at least like once a month, which means it's Christian night. Um, right. There's a chaplain sent to every professional baseball team every Sunday. Um you know, it's, I don't, it's, I'm not even looking for like, you don't need to send me a rabbi. I just, I just need to, <laughs> you not to try to make me feel bad about going to chapel. And, and plus I, I partied with those guys three days ago that went to chapel. They are all liars. Every one of them. <laughs> so well, they have to confess. Yeah. Well, I guess they better. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, it, it was, there was just a lot of little things. Like I, I just remember the family and faith night going, guys, are we, are we seriously this archaic? Like, like there's no reason for this every night in minor league baseball is family and faith night. Sure. Like there's no reason, there's no reason to put a banner on it. Um, but it was just little things. You know, I remember one time, uh, this one wasn't little. I remember one time I played at Frisco, Texas and my teammate was Nate Fryman, a fellow Jewish guy. And there was an article written and it was, we, Nate and I loved the articles cause it was so just a hilarious concept because it's like the greatest power hitting duo Jewish duo of all time is currently in San Antonio. I'm like, we're the only power hitting Jewish duo right. of all time. So I, mean, I, I also think it's somewhat to let them know that a Jew or two Jewish guys are coming to Frisco. Yeah. Well, the, Oh, they, <laughs> a couple of them knew. Don't worry. Um, so I had to deal with a lot of anti-Semitic Semitic comments that night, you know, a couple of drunk frat boys behind the dugout, you know, gleefully throwing the word kike at me you know it was just they really to the point where I had to get in, I almost jumped the fence and the security had to get involved and, you know, I got a, I got a very good apology from the Frisco Rough Riders because, of course, they didn't do it. wasn't their fault. Sure. You know, they they then they acted as as accordingly as they possibly could. But it was a very 
you know, it was a frustrating time. You know, I remember going, uh, playing for the WBC team the first time in the qualifier. I think this was 2012. Um, you know, we had a bus. Um, we couldn't get on the bus ever. It was a fake bus. They first had to have it sniffed out for bombs by dogs. And then we would all take separate cars and the bus would go to the field, but no one would be on it. Um, you know, and that was, that was like a scary reality. Like we're in Florida, we're in, we're in Jupiter, Florida. That's basically right. Israel West. What is, <laughs> and we're, we have to have, we have to make sure no one bombed our bus like sure. that. It, it's a scary reality sometimes being Jewish in certain places. And, um, you know, especially when you see a lot of unrest over there, especially right now. I mean, right now is probably arguably as bad as I've ever seen in our lifetime. There was a couple of years ago that would seem pretty bad, but this is pretty, this has been pretty terrible these last couple of weeks. So it's, um, you know, so much so that even the idea of calling for peace can get you attacked. Sure. And, you know, sports have always been a sort of distraction and, and, you know, we root on the Israeli teams because, it, you know, in large part, they represent the, the, the biggest Jewish team there is. But, um, you know, one hopes there isn't a focus on Team Israel in, in the Olympics, uh, either with baseball or other athletes in terms of, you know, their res- responsibility or having to stand for everything that the country stands for necessarily uh, or, or anything like that. You just want to see these guys perform and, and you know, yeah. be athletes. And, and, and they are. And they're, sp- they're spectacular athletes. And, you know, there's a lot more to... And I think I can tell you guys this, our, our, our pride for Israel is, has nothing to do with nationality. It's, it's so much more about just who we are. You know, we, you know, we were, we're, we're a part of a group that is, you know, constantly and constantly been persecuted and attacked in our entire history of existence. And, you know, the fact that we are, we got to go out and together and do something together. We had that bond that you don't really get, you don't get, it's not something that you can manufacture. You either have it or you don't. And this was a group of guys that just absolutely do, especially in that WBC in 2017. Um, we were instant family and you never get that playing baseball. Um, yeah, they're, they're supreme athletes. And that's, and, and I think Israel to us is more about um, pride in who we are and, and respecting our own heritage rather than any type of nationalistic belief. Uh, there's a, a, a moment in stealing home that, you remind me of um, when uh, I think it's Ike Davis talks about how he wasn't raised particularly Jewish and he was sort of somewhat secular growing up or not very much involved. But once he started, I think it was when he was playing in New York and all of a sudden there were Jewish fans who followed him everywhere he went and became obsessed with him because he's the Jewish guy. And something that, you know, other Jewish athletes have told us is, you know, being Jewish, there's always going to be a segment of people that are your fans and your supporters, no matter what. Um, yes. And I think that connection exists not just between the players, but also between the players and Jewish fans. Um, it, it's something about it's like when you go to a movie, like, you know, the reason why you like going to see a movie with starring The Rock in an action film is because you identify with The Rock. The Rock is you. The Rock is Jewish. No, no, no. <laughs> but maybe. I mean, Rod Carew converted. I don't know. Maybe. Um, I, but you go to a movie to, you know, identify with the star. That's why all movie stars are so good looking male and female, because you want to project what you think. Oh, that's me. I'm him. I am Dwayne the rock Johnson. Uh, I think a lot of sports fans feel that way as well. They identify with a player on the field and they can really, and Ike, because he's Jewish, that's something easy for a young Jewish guy to identify with. I was a kid that grew up in Los Angeles, as I said, 47 times already, but like, I grew up to go into Dodger games. And when Sean Green became a Dodger, 
I, I loved Sean Green. I'm like, he's a Jewish star. I'm a Jewish young baseball player. Of course, I identified with Sean Green. Same for us. We grew up in Toronto, so we had the same. We, we had him before you did. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, you know, he was definitely Thank the favorite. He was always, definitely the favorite of everyone here. Sean Green was always the guy that, like, your friends would say they saw at synagogue. But, yeah. oh, like, Sean Green was there on Yom Kippur this year. And, like, you never knew if they were lying or not. But, like, it could have been true. Well, I've become friends with Sean Green since then. And like, I, I, he's still one of those guys that every time I see him, I still get kind of starstruck a little bit. I don't get very starstruck with people for whatever reason. It's Sean Green and Eric Karros. For whatever reason, whenever I see those two, I'm like, you got you. Thank you. You were my childhood. I, I, <laughs> you were everything to me. Thank you. You were posters all over my walls. So was that's a great question. Were, were Sean or Eric, like who was your favorite Jewish athlete growing up? Probably Sean Green. I mean, I was a huge Sean Green fan, especially that one year. I think it was 2000. God, was it 2003 when he hit the four home runs in Milwaukee? I think it went seven for seven and then put together, <laughs> I think, like a 48 home run season playing. the Oh, what a year that was. Uh, Sean Green was just an unbelievable player. And when you get to meet him, uh, finding out just what an unbelievable person he is as well. You know, they, they say don't meet your heroes. That is not the case with Sean Green. Meet, meet your hero. Meet him. Meet him. So that's that's extremely cool. We're, we're sort of coming at the end of uh, our time here. Um, you know, we have a. a listeners and the, we'd love for the episode to be two and a half hours long, but we understand you have other things to do. I got um, to do right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so are there any other, you know, Jewish baseball players who are on team Israel out of team Israel that, you know, might be in the minors now that you've noticed or somebody that, you know, our audience might not have heard of, they start paying attention to. Well, you know, there's a lot baseball right now, the baseball landscape, especially because of COVID is really, really interesting at the moment. It's actually a very, it's a, dog eat dog world right now even more than it ever has been you got the cutting of over uh 47 minor league teams yeah you got the draft reduced down to 20 rounds as opposed to 40 we're at the point right now where if i was playing this year i might not be drafted i got drafted in the 22nd round it didn't matter my numbers i was a senior sign when you're a senior in college you will not be drafted usually in the first 20 rounds because they don't have to pay you uh then when you're a senior sign you're going to get one thousand dollars before taxes period. That's everybody's rule. So I got $638.43 after taxes. So I'm a guy that would fall in the draft. Um, but guys that are obviously that are already there right now, uh, Max Freed, obviously focus on everything Max Freed is doing. He's a, yeah, he's a little hurt player. right now, but, but he he's is. definitely, a, he, you know, he had a great year last year. I think he's going to duplicate it again soon. I, I've known Max since he was a little kid. I'm so, I'm absolutely so proud of everything he's done. And uh, and going to do, I don't think he's even scratched the surface yet. So Max Fried is obviously the guy at the top of my list that I just say, you got to watch everything this kid does. Cause he is special. Yeah. Um, other stories. I think we're going to see some interesting comeback stories. And there is one that I'm really hopeful for. Will it happen? I don't know, but I'm really, really hopeful for it. And that's Zach Weiss. Okay. Zach Weiss right now is a guy who is unsigned. I think he's getting ready to go play in, in Long Island for the Ducks. I faced him last week. He sat there at 93 to 96, incredible wipeout slider. He looked incredible. This guy belongs back in the big leagues. He belongs back in affiliated ball for the very, very least. Um, another good story might be Alex Katz. You know, he just signed a small, he just signed a minor league contract. And, you know, Alex Katz has been a guy who's been around for a while and he had to go to low A. And I, and, you know, you ask any guy who's been as high as triple A or even the big leagues. And he's like, Hey, we got to send you to low A. That is a gut punch. That is one hell of a gut punch. But with him, he's excited and he went to low A and he immediately got moved to high A. He's going to be a guy that I think is just going to keep moving up. And the way the Cubs are right now, especially with their arms, they might need a lefty out of that pen. So I wouldn't be surprised if you get a Alex Katz appearance at some point, especially if the Cubs end up being sellers by the uh, all-star break. If they are, 
watch out for Alex Katz. But uh, those are the two stories that right now I'm looking at in the minor league side. Uh, Zach Weiss, I'm just hoping gets an opportunity back in the in the affiliated baseball and then hopefully back in the big leagues. And Alex Katz, I think, is a guy who's going to move his way, hopefully all the way up to the show this year. That's great amazing. tips. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, before we go, I want to tell you, I also love Del Paso. Had a great time there. You're based out what of there city. now. What a uh, city. I, I go back and forth between here and Los Angeles, but I spent about 85 to 90% of my time in El Paso right now. I just absolutely fell in love with this city. It's an ama- The people are amazing. The food yeah. off the, the charts. Food was, the food was incredible. Yeah. Uh, it's, just the, it's the best food in the country. It's just ridiculous. We also, I know this is going to sound weird, but my now wife, she was my girlfriend at the time. We went to a bar that had a records and vintage clothing store in the bar. It was just like, it looked like a dive bar. And then there was just all this cool stuff to buy. Um, They are, it's just a unique, unique town. And uh, they love, they love their baseball here, man. This is a baseball crazy town. You go to a Chihuahuas game here. Oh my God. You're going to, you're going to witness something pretty special. I mean, well, it's often talked about as a place that, that might be, might, might get a a major league franchise or or a team move. Never going to happen in this city. No, not going to happen. Not enough people. Hmm. There, there's about 14 more cities that will go above that. I think Vegas is going to be the one that's going to break through. I think they're going to get the A's. I think the Oakland A's will be the Vegas A's in the next five years. I think that's been Follow the Raiders. Yeah. Yeah. I think, but I also think that's been planned for the last 15 years. I've also even seen where the idea of where they're planning on building the stadium. Are the Ooh. A's going to build that stadium or is somebody else going to build that stadium? I don't know, but I don't think the Rio is going to be around much longer. Oh, uh, but I was going to say at the North end of town, that tiny stadium they have is so set up for oh, it's uh, gone. major league baseball. It's gone. No, no, you got to go to the new stadium, the brand new stadium over by Red Rock. Uh, The Ah. Las Vegas Aviators play in a different stadium altogether, and it is stunning. The problem is you can't build upon it. They're going to have to build a new stadium. Every time they say a AAA stadium, hell, we built it so we can build another level. They're lying. None of them can take another level. (laughs) None of them. Not As as Blue Jays fans, uh, we've sort of seen the limitations of of, uh, AAA stadium. You know, Salem Field in Buffalo has been okay for the last year, but... It, it is a triple A stadium. You know, sure. I have a theory that I still don't understand why the uh, why the Toronto Blue Jays didn't do it. The Toronto Blue Jays these last two years, including this season, should be the Omaha Blue Jays. They should be playing at TD Ameritrade where the Omaha where the called yeah. World Series is. The it stadium's exists. not being used eleven months out of the year. And it's definitely it has been suggested. Toronto in the name. <laughs> TD right Bank, Toronto Dominion. Yeah, yeah, it's right there. Well, um, they they've decided not to for whatever reason. I don't know. They guess I they want Salem to be sort of Fields. close in Buffalo. Uh, I've been to Salem Field a lot, you know, back when it was Coca-Cola Stadium is like what I grew up remembering it as. Um, it's beautiful. It's right in the middle of Buffalo. Another underrated American city. Great city. Um, Great city. Uh, but yeah. uh, we are actually we are out of time now. I want to thank you, Cody, so much for coming. Um, thank you for we having had me. a blast. We didn't get to talk about Radiohead, which was also on my list. Uh, uh, or about- um, oh, I would say Kid A is their best album. I would agree with that. And, and the other thing was uh, uh, MJF. I know you're a wrestling guy, so uh been a great to chat about Maxwell Jacob Friedman, but we'll have to leave that for the future. Not a fan. I'm good. Okay. Uh, Cody, yeah, where, where can people, uh, where can people follow you, find you, anything like that? You can follow me on Twitter at Decker six uh, Decker and the number six, or you can find me on Instagram uh, anti-hero baseball, or of course my YouTube channel, also anti-hero baseball. You can check out all the videos that I put out there, my prank videos, all my stuff that I did. Basically every, every ounce of torment that I put Jeff Francoeur through is on my YouTube channel. So check out anti-hero baseball. That's great. Thanks so much for joining us, Cody. You guys yeah, are the you best. Thank you for having me. Well, thanks again to Cody for uh, for joining us. Gabe, I, I, uh, I gave Cody a, a little piece of trivia about his career during our interview. Uh, I have a little piece of trivia for you 
Uh, oh? Do you know whose 80th birthday is today? Uh, it's I, my understanding is it's Bob Dylan's. That's correct. Uh, your baby's namesake, I assume. Yes, that's right. Oh, no, we, we named our baby after Dylan McDermott, the, uh, uh, cool. the popular actor. Are there Dylan songs about sports? Um, oh, uh, Hurricane. Sure. About <laughs> yeah, a boxer. that's Any, enough, That's a, a big one. Um, um, Catfish. Catfish is about Catfish Hunter, I think. Right. Interesting. I don't know of that one. Um, Catfish, it's on um, Desire, I think. Or no, it's not on Desire, but it's on it's on one of the bootleg series. I don't know if it was ever right. it was ever actually released. That, you know that era, the Rolling Thunder review type era. Yeah. I was thinking, you know, uh, um, there could be some sort of like uh, uh, maybe neighborhood bully, which is about Israel. He was actually talking about the Canadian Olympic team. Okay, sure. You know, there could be other things like that. Um, you know, that song's on the mind. I think. Uh, uh, Perhaps Joker Man was uh, about Sandy Koufax. I've Maybe. heard that interpreted before. I don't know before. if there's any ones that are other explicitly about sports. Although I feel like there'd be other boxers that would be like classic Dylan heroes. Um, yeah. You, you know, know Hurricane Carter was sort of a social justice hero uh, of Dylan's, I think, or, or cause celeb. Not exactly, a, you know, down on his luck uh, boxer kind of thing. But I, I feel like there's probably some other ones we, we haven't thought of yet. That's a good question. You sort of stumped me with that one real quick. Um, as you know, if there are any Dylan songs about sports, yeah. I'll have to take that away and come back next week. Yeah, there is. Um, oh, I have one more. Uh, Joey, of course, about uh, Texas Rangers first baseman Joey Gallup. <laughs> <laughs> That's a of deep course. cut. That's a very deep cut joke for a niche audience. But uh, yeah, please exactly. enjoy it. Well, no, no. It's. I think I just realized that that Thunder on the Mountain is about the classic uh, uh, Oklahoma City Thunder Denver Nuggets series. Kevin <laughs> sure. Durant against Carmelo Anthony. <laughs> Sure. Why not? Uh, why not? Um, well, if anyone has any more uh, Dylan songs, either uh, slightly or uh, definitely about sports, please send them our way. We are the podcast that uh, ostensibly will talk about it. Probably um, most likely to talk about it. I, I wonder if Bob Dylan's ever gone to a, a like a Met game. Like when he was in New York in the 1960s, like the six, let's, let's say the 62 Mets, they lost 125 games, Yeah, 18 year old Bob Dylan, I guess, 21 year old Bob Dylan at that point um, would have been, yeah, 21 year old Bob Dylan, young in New York, carrying his guitar. I think he ever took the seven out to Shea Stadium to see, uh, I don't know, who was on the 62 Mets? No one good. Uh, yeah, <laughs> old Willie Mays. <laughs> See, I would think that uh, he'd be more likely to have gone to a Yankees game, um, but I guess the Twins existed in six in the early '60s, but they just started then, so he wouldn't have grown up a Twins fan or anything like that. No, I don't um, think so. And yeah. or he probably went to see the Dodgers, uh, right. you know, in LA a bunch when he was living in LA, and and he went back to Minneapolis for a long time in the '70s. I could see him getting to know Harmon Killebrew a little bit, sure. just asking him about his name for a while. Well, standing offer to, to Bob Dylan, if you're listening, uh, feel free to come on the podcast. Tell us about your, your baseball, fan, baseball fandom. Yes, um, I'll, I'll ask if my personal theory of, uh, on Tangled Up in Blue is about the uh, Minnesota North Stars facing the Toronto Maple Leafs <laughs> in the 19, late 1970s. That's great. Um, why don't we leave it there for now? Um, until next time, you can follow us as always. Um, at the Menchwarmers, at Menchwarmers on Twitter. Um, you can read my recent piece on the Canadian Jewish News at the CJN.ca and follow the, all CJN projects at CJN Lounge on Facebook. Um, please, down, please like and subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And we'd be remiss uh, not to mention the new and improved website uh, that the CJN has put up at the CJN.ca. Uh, it looks great. We're so happy to be a part of it. 
Um, and thanks to our producer, Michael, for all of his hard work on this show. 